Okay, in the meanwhile, we turn to John chapter 19, please. John chapter 19. John chapter 19. Veronica, do you remember what we've been studying in John 18 and 19? It was about about Jesus. Good. What about Jesus? Which part of his life? When he was? When, during his last days on earth, when he would be? What, what did the people do to him? Do you remember? They mocked him. Very good. Now, I want us to read John chapter 19 from verses 1 to 16. Now, the reason is this. I know we've covered some of it. But this was the night in which our Saviour was mocked, was smitten. For who? Cornelius, for who? For us. For us. Caleb, do you remember what time did all these things happen to our Lord Jesus? Before he died, but what time of the day? Remember? Say again. Not, um, not evening, yes. Chloe. Yes, early in the morning. 12 a.m. Alright, so remember. When did the Lord go through all this abuse? And all was early in the morning. From midnight, 12 o'clock in the morning up till 3 a.m. We read many things there. And now we continue also all the way till 6 a.m. Alright? 12 a.m. to 6 a.m. Very cold. Was it cold or hot? Cold. This is what our Lord was going through. Should you ever get tired of reading about this? Never. Never. When you know how much someone loves you, you can read about it over and over again and how it must continue and always thrill our hearts. Right, many hymns were chosen. Those were very appropriate about the Lord suffering for us. So I want us to go back in our mind's eye to that night and may the Lord speak to our hearts. All right? So John chapter 19, we read from verses 1 to 16 together. Now reading with understanding, let's read together. Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him, and the soldiers plaited a crown of thorns, and put it on his head, and they put on him a purple robe, and said, Hail, King of the Jews! And they smote him with their hands. Pilate therefore went forth again, and saith unto them, Behold, I bring him forth to you, that ye may know that I find no fault in him. Then came Jesus forth, wearing the crown of thorns, and the purple robe. And Pilate saith unto them, Behold the man! When the chief priests, therefore, and officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto him, Take ye him, and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and by our law he ought to die, because he made himself the Son of God. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he was the more afraid, and went again into the judgment hall, and saith unto Jesus, Whence art thou? But Jesus gave him no answer. Verse 10, 
Then said Pilate unto him, Speakest thou not unto me? Knowest thou not that I have power to crucify thee, and have power to release thee? Jesus answered, Thou couldst not have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. Therefore he that delivered me unto thee hath the greatest sin. And from thenceforth Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, saying, If thou let this man go, thou art not Caesar's friend. Whoso maketh himself a king speaketh against Caesar. Then Pilate therefore heard that saying, He brought Jesus forth and sat down in the judgment seat, in a place that is called the pavement, but in Hebrew, Gabbatha. And it was the preparation of the Passover, and about the sixth hour, and he said unto the Jews, Behold your king. But they cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, We have no king but Caesar. Then delivered he him therefore unto them to be crucified. And they took Jesus and led him away. Let us turn to God in prayer. Our gracious, loving, heavenly Father, Lord, if there's nothing else that you would leave us on earth to read, Lord, this passage alone, Lord, are things that we ought to read over and over again. And just this passage alone, Lord, ought to stir us to live for our Saviour. Father, we pray as we continue to spend these moments with Christ in the judgment hall, in our mind's eye, in our heart. Father, we pray that the very youngest would also understand what you send your Son to do for us. Oh Lord Jesus, we pray that this passage will once again rekindle our love. Cause us to understand again what you went through all because of us. Father, we pray that you speak to each one. Once again, ask for thy cleansing and washing in the blood of Christ. And Lord, be with every teacher, be with every group. May your word speak powerfully. May your word transform lives. May your children see more of you, more of you and more of your glory. Be with us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> now, this is the time where I want us to recount, all right? See how many of you remember. The last time we said, what are the things that they did to our Lord Jesus? I want you to remember all the sufferings, at least physically, and definitely we need to know what his heart went through. Anyone remember? Elim, what are the things they did to your Saviour? Who is Jesus? Our King, very, very good. Your, your Saviour and your God, right? Who is Jesus? He is your Saviour. So, if you think you have a good friend, and your good friend suffered for you, then you don't remember anything that your friend did. It's not very meaningful, right? Not very nice. So can you remember what they did, what are some of the things they did to your Elim's saviour? They put a crown on his head. What kind of crown? Crown of thorns. Why did they do that? To mock him. To mock him. Now, so when someone mocks you, what goes through your heart? It's painful, right? It's painful. Who is Christ? Truly the King of Israel. Truly the King of Kings. 
And then they mock him, they laugh at him. Right? Now, what else that did he feel when the crown of thorns was pressed onto his head? You remember what kind of thorns they were? Small, tiny ones? Big ones, right? So, his skull, his flesh on his head was torn. And he went into his skull. Right? That was the pain and the emotional suffering. What else? And what did you remember, Chloe? They what? They put a purple robe on him. While it was cold, isn't it very kind of them to put a purple robe on him? No. What did it mean? To, they say, oh, you're king. So we put on the color of a king on you. But also to mock him, to make fun of him. Do you like it when people make fun of you? How do you feel? Sad, right? You feel very sad. Um, that is what Jesus went through for who? For us. For Chloe. For Chloe. Any friend went through that, go through that for you? No, right? What a friend. What else? Um, let me see. Were you here, Mabel? What else did they do to him? They scourged him. Actually, they scourged him first and foremost. Okay, look at chapter 19, verse 1. They scourged him. Veronica, what is scourge? Do you remember why scourge? What is scourge? Don't remember? Okay, I'll let, I'll let Caleb explain to you. Caleb, explain what is scourging. <laughs> no, okay, where were you all? Okay, I'll let, um, I'll let uh, Joash. <laughs> <laughs> These whips, all right? Okay, so they are whips, you know, whips, leather whips, and then they tie these sharp things at the end of the leather whips, and then they whip him, whip his back, and, they, and those whips will tear out the flesh. Have you had a cut on your finger before? Is it painful? Just a small cut, right? Did the whole flesh come out? Can you see the bone? But Jesus went through scourging. The flesh came out and you could see the insides. So, Veronica, who did Jesus go through that for? For us. For Veronica, right? Now, what else? Before that, what about before that? Jesslyn, do you remember what happened when they brought him before um, the Jewish leaders? That is not in chapter 19. But remember from, Bible, from Sunday school stories? They beat him, right? They slapped him on the face. They spat on him. Anyone spat on your spat, spat at you before? The Roman soldiers spat at him as well, right? And this is what the Lord went through. For who? For Jesslyn. Always remember when you read all this, they must be very real to you. That that night when the Lord was standing there, your name was in his heart. How do you know? Kenny, how do you know your name was in the Lord's heart that night? You were not born yet. Was Daniel's name in his heart that night? Yeah. If Daniel is an elect, yes. Why? How do you... Why? God has chosen you. 
God has chosen you before the foundation of the world. That night, everything he went through, he had your name in mind. Have you been a good Christian? Do we think we have loved the Lord as we ought to? No. We have not, right? We have not. Do you think the Lord knew that we would not love him as we ought to? He knew. But he still came to die for us. If you have friends who do something like that for you, only, they do it only because you, they, if they think that you'll be very kind to them. But Jesus knew that we would still be unloving, but he came to die for us. Now how this must awaken us and cause us to love him. Right? So he went through everything that night just for us. Now Vincent, do you remember <coughs> when the Lord was going through all this? Well, they beat him, right? They, they captured him, they beat him. Now, Vincent, all right, Chloe and Vincent, see who answer faster, all right? One, two, three, all right, answer. Huh? Was, who was in control that night? Jesus was captured, they beat him up and everything. Who was in control? <laughs> Pilate. Huh? God. God was in control. Which person of God? God the Father. So Jesus was not in control. Uh, Jesus was in control, but his father. If you ask me about which of the three persons of the Trinity, I would say his father. His father. So you're saying that that, that night when they bound Jesus, Jesus could not have escaped. And if they hung Jesus on the cross, he could not have done anything. Who was in control? Now, how do you know? Please turn to John chapter 18. And then we move on, right? John chapter 18. Now, this whole, this, <coughs> um, now this, whole, this whole scene that was going through, sorry, John chapter 19, this whole scene that was going through, can we read verse 11 together? Thou couldst not have God could have no power at all against me except it were given thee from above. That, all right? So it was given by God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Given from heaven. He, God in his plan allowed that. But Christ, when he was on earth, can you please read verse 32 in chapter 18? Let's read together. Chapter 18, verse 32. That the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which is paid, signifying what death he should die. Now, please remember, when Jesus went to the cross, Jesus said, this is how I intend to die. This is how I intend to die. I will die by crucifixion. Shenrei, why did Jesus say, I, I will die by crucifixion? And everything that he did was, was making sure that he will die by crucifixion. He must uh, fulfill the prophecies of the Old Testament and die a painful death. But why? He can, be, he can die a painful death from um, beating, stoning, um, hanging. His bones were not supposed to be broken. Well, there's ways to still beat someone and their bones don't get broken. You put a phone book, of course they don't have a phone book there. You put something sick in front of them and you beat them with rods, their, won't, their bones won't break, but they get internal injuries. So why he said, I must die this death of crucifixion? To the point where, can the, can, can the 
Jews crucified Christ. Jesslyn, can the Jews crucify Christ? We just read just now. Can the Jews crucify Christ? Why must Pilate do it? Because he was the governor, and only the Romans can do that, right? They're the governors. Okay, so the, 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 the Jews cannot do that. But, but Veronica, why must Jesus die by crucifixion? Eh, Jennifer. <laughs> why? Why he said, I will die this way? And he made sure that everything happened in the way exactly as he planned. Please don't for a minute think that Jesus was not in control. He was not Pilate. Okay? Jesus let himself be captured. Jesus let himself stand there. Jesus let himself go through all that. And Jesus let himself be crucified. Okay? Jesus, Jesus is God. Okay? So you remember. Why, Justin? <laughs> okay. Crucifixion is one of the most painful deaths, like Shanri said, but that's not the main thing. It is definitely painful. But, like he pointed out, yes. It is the worst punishment, correct? But it's still the worst punishment, the most painful death, still cannot save you. He has to shed blood. Uh, like he pointed out, he was saying, but, 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 uh, but, but the blood, but the shedding of blood. Christ must die a bloody death. The shedding of, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. Alright, just like the lamb when he dies. So, please know, Chloe, Jesus dying on the cross, that kind of death, he planned it and he made sure it happened. Why must he make sure it happened? Because? If it didn't happen then, then we cannot be saved, right? We cannot be saved. So please remember everything that Jesus went through. He went through for Cornelius, for Caleb, you know, if you believe in him. Okay? Now, now let us move quickly. So please remember that is the scene um, all the way to 6 a.m., for example, here. Now, um, so question number one, just quick revision. Why did Pilate scourge Jesus? Why did Pilate curse Jesus? Because the people, he did not want to kill Jesus. Remember, uh, Pilate didn't want to kill Jesus because he knew Jesus was innocent. Remember that. And he thought that if I scourge Jesus, because scourging is terrible, right? If these people want, to, want Jesus to be hung. So he scourged him, he tore out all his flesh, make fun of him, and bring him up so when the Lord Jesus stood before the people, he will be all bloodied. Understand that? The people will be looking at a man that is broken and torn. Now, when you see a, people, a person like that, Pilate probably thought that maybe they'll change their mind. Maybe they'll change their mind. But they did not. They did not. So Pilate didn't want to kill Jesus. And that's an important point later on. We'll, we have to know that. And what lesson do we learn? What lesson do we learn? Pilate knew Jesus was innocent. Should Pilate have beaten Jesus? No, right? But he still, go, he still went ahead and did it. Why do you think so? Why do you think he did it, Elaine? Why do you think he still do it? He did it to try and get Jesus' 
get them to change their mind. What else? Maybe get Jesus to die, deny himself. Well, Jesus, there's nothing much Jesus can do because um, he's already under his captivity. Ichung, um, why? He fulfilled the prophecy, yes, um, definitely so. Um, now, they wanted Jesus to be crucified. Pilate knew he's innocent. And Pilate just wanted to do something to get himself off the hook. Understand? Just to get himself off the hook. If I beat this man, maybe they won't make me kill an innocent man. Pilate is equally worried, you know. You, you, Pilate is equally worried that if he killed an innocent man, he's still a governor. Huh? Like Jasmine said, he's the governor. And if he's questioned, he might be in trouble too, right? So he said, I cannot kill this man, but yet these people want him to kill me, want me to kill him. But we see later on what happens, okay? Now, so all this scene before us. Now, what did the Jews mean in verse 7? Jasmine, what do you think the Jews meant in verse 7? We have a law that by our law, he ought to die because he made, he made himself the son of God. They say we want him to, he must die. In our law, he must die because he made himself the son of God. Alright, he's claiming, they said that he is claiming to be God, therefore we must, in, based on our law, he must die because no man can say that he's God and they think that he's God. But how do you know he's, they said that he said that he was God? How, <laughs> how did you know that the Jews said that Jesus said that he was God? From this verse. He made himself the son of God. Now let me ask you. Um, okay, let me ask a guy. Uh, Joshua, are you a son of God? You are a son of God, right? But not the son of God. You are what kind of son? Adopted son. Right? We are adopted sons and daughters of God. We are adopted son and daughter. But in Jesus' case, they knew when he said, I'm the son of God, God is my father. Now, Chloe, do you call God your father? Yes, right? We pray our heavenly father, right? God is our father. Now, if you say our Father, God is our Father, we say I'm a son of God, that's different. The Jews, when they say, when Jesus claimed the son, I'm the son of God, they knew what Jesus was talking about. He's claiming to be God. Understand that? So all these are very clear statements. Jennifer, when you pray, what do you call God? Heavenly Father. Why do you call God Heavenly Father? Because our Father, because the Lord Jesus taught us to pray, right? Ignatius, what did the Lord Jesus teach us to pray? The Lord's Prayer, which is? Our Father which art in heaven, right? But it's different from what Christ is claiming here. So they say He must die. He must die. Now, then I ask you question number three. Now let's read verse 11 again. Jesus answered, Thou couldest have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. 
Therefore, he that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. Ignatius, how does this verse, how does this statement of Jesus Christ to Pilate, how does this encourage you in all situations of life? God is absolutely in control. Does this sin look very bad? It looks pretty bad, right? Here is their master all beaten up, captured in judgment hall. And Pilate is the most powerful man at that time in that region. He's the governor, right? And then you have all the religious leaders also against him. Does it look like everything has gone wrong? It looks like everything has gone wrong, right? And it looks like Pilate is in control, like Chloe thinks Pilate is in control. It's not the airplane pilot, right? This is the pilot, King um, Emperor Pilate, or Governor Pilate, sorry. So he is in control. It looks like that. But please remember, when even the worst situation in your life, the worst situation in your life, what's the worst situation in your life, Caleb? Don't have, right? You're too young, so everything is fine. Cornelius, what's the worst situation in your life? Nothing much, nothing much. Maybe going to the dentist. <laughs> oh, I'm going to remove my so many teeth. Huh? Then you, oh, so terrible. Now, whatever the situation when you grow up or when you're young, always remember these words that thou have no power. The people that are doing things to you, do you understand they have no power? They have no power. Does, do they look like they have no power? <laughs> I mean, if you're sitting there and watching this and you're not a Christian, and then the Lord Jesus said, you have no power. You'll be scratching your head. Is he serious? Maybe they beat him too hard. But it is genuinely true. They have no power. When people bully you, when people do anything to you because you are a Christian and because you do the right thing, if they have no power, then why is it happening? <laughs> Mabel, if they have no power, why is it happening? Say again. God allowed it. God allowed it. Now, Jennifer, when things go in your eyes, it looks like everything is going wrong. You are obeying God. And, and people bully you. And people make fun of you. And you're doing your best to, to obey God. And you're suffering. Then you ask yourself, all these friends of mine, or all these people, or my, my, my colleagues at work, they're doing all these things to me. Look like they got so much power. Is it true? Looks like. But is it truly that they have the power? No. Now, if they don't have the power and it's happening to you, Mabel said, then it means that God has allowed it, right? Because if they have no power but it's happening, then God allowed it, correct? Now, if God allowed it, Shenrei, what does it, what does it mean to you? God has allowed it for us to grow and for His glory. God has allowed it for a reason, for a good reason. Please remember that. Whatever things happen in your family, whatever things happen to your child, whatever things happen to your parents, whatever things happen at your work, and so on, as long as you are obeying God and following Him and things happen, you know God is in control, number one. So write down, number one, God is in control. Still, like Jesus says, don't think that the enemies are in control. Number two, it means that 
Right? God is in control. It means that God allowed it for your good and His glory. God allowed it for your good and for His glory, for you to grow. Now, even in this scene when it's happening, Vincent, in this scene when it's happening, God is in control, right? It is for good, right? Now, then ask you, ask you, when you know all this, when Jesus knew all this, what did He do? Jesus knew that this is God's plan. God allowed it. I'm being beaten. I'm, um, people are mocking me. I'm going to die. But he knew all this God can remove, but God did not, and God planned for it. What was Jesus' response? He followed the plan. He submitted to the plan. Number three, if you know all this, then submit to God. Right? Number three, the third thing you learn is, through all this, you submit to God. Trust God. Right? Submit and trust Him. Submit and trust Him. No use uh, knowing all this, but when it happens in your life, you give up. You give in. What happens if... Did you suffer persecution when you go back, Mabel? No? Okay, so God spared you. Now, what happens if you go home and then you suffer persecution? People make fun of you for being a Christian or to be a Christian, you lose out on some things or um, maybe your family are unbelievers they make it very difficult for you. Did God allow it? God allowed it. God can make you be born in another family. God allowed it. And therefore, you submit. You accept. Okay? So this one lesson I want us to learn. You're young now, huh? You cannot understand what trials. Going to dentist is the biggest trial I have. That's about it. You know? But as you grow, actually I'm sure you face that. I know this all in Christian school. Who's not in Christian school? Oh, you're not in Christian school. Do your friends make fun of you for being a Christian? Who is not in a Christian school and their friends make it difficult for them for being a Christian? All don't have. You. Okay, what happened? Oh, Muslim come in. Muslim come and disturb you. Yeah. Um, well, it might come one day. It might come one day. And then you know, the Lord Jesus went through all this for who? Jennifer, for who? For us? For us. And when God allows something to go through, for you to go through something in life, in your family, in your life, then what? The Lord, you say, Lord, you go through all this for me, I accept it too. Alright? I go through this for you. I accept it. Okay, now next. Let's move quickly. So these are lessons we learned. So does anything happen by chance, Joash? If one day you get married, and then your wife died the next day, is it something by chance? No, God is in control. Do you accept it? You accept it, right? So whatever is the worst thing, be it a child or family situation, God allowed it. Now, next, we, we go further. Um, now, there are many examples here, right? One after another about prophecies. 
Now, remember, a lot of this, many of the descriptions here are about what Jesus went through. And they are prophecies. Cornelius, what are prophecies? What God say in the Bible before it happened. Very good. Now, I ask question number four. Give examples of which book which books and chapters in the Bible that prophesied of this trial and the silent suffering of the Lord Jesus and also his crucifixion as well, right? Now, where? Anyone? Very quickly. Shane. Isaiah 53. Very good. You must know Isaiah 53, alright? Isaiah 53. Now, you turn to Isaiah 53. We read some of these things, right? Isaiah 53. Let's turn to Isaiah 53. Chloe, where's the book of Isaiah? After the book of? Hmm? You know where to find it? Isaiah 53. Shannon, why do you remember it's Isaiah 53? You just remember. Okay, you just remember. That's good. Now look at Isaiah 53. Can we look at verse 2? Wait, verse 2. Now, remember the mention, there's no comeliness in him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. So Christ was not desirable. They hated him. Now, verse 3, let's read together. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows. We hid it as it were our faces from and we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. See how they mocked him? And then um, how he bore our, bore our sins in verse 4. And so on and so on, right? So Isaiah 53 is one good example. Now the more difficult question. When was Isaiah written? How long ago? Uh, from Christ's time. About how long? Any ideas? Say again. Uh, before Christ, is it? Yeah, about, about 700 years before Christ, 700 BC, around that time, approximately. 700 years before Christ went through all this. 700 years. Many of these prophecies were fulfilled in the book of, from the book of Isaiah perfectly to the dot. To the dot. Now, um, Veronica, can you tell me what's going to happen seven days later? Exactly from the moment you wake up in the morning. Can you? Cannot. What about seven hours later? Maybe you can say, seven hours later I should be sleeping. Right? Maybe. That's about it. Now, the prophecies that, that are written about what Christ goes through in the, the gospel, or like here in John, were written hundreds of years ago. Now, what else? Where else? Mabel, where else? The book of? Can think of anyone? So famous? Uh, no, no. No, this is about his sufferings. Alright, his sufferings. And what he will go through his crucifixion. The book of Psalms. Yeah? The book of Psalms. So you must also know um, the book of Psalms. And how long, like for example, Psalm 22. You must know Psalm. We all know Psalm 23. But we must know Psalm 22, alright? You turn to Psalm 22, for example. Hey, before that, huh? like Isaiah chapter 53, right? The last part. 
he was numbered with the transgressors. After we read, he actually was crucified among thieves, right? Number among transgressors. Psalm 22. <coughs> Psalm 22. Now, I take time on this uh, because you will notice in the book of John, it's very unique. John keeps writing about this was the prophecies. He kept describing the prophecies. All right? He wanted men to know this was fulfillment of prophecies. Psalm 22. Now, Psalm 22. Can you see some of the things um, in there? Verse 6. Now, he was no man, a reproach of men, despised of the people. Verse 7. All they that see me laugh me to scorn. Right? They laugh at him. When he was crucified, they also laughed at him. Um, look at verse 18. Later we'll see in verse 18. They parted my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. Just remember this verse. You'll see afterwards. Now, to the point uh, where they would take his clothes and divide the clothes. You take the belt, I take the outer coat, I take the inner coat, I take the shoes. To the point of exactly how they will, what they will do. How long was Psalms written? Ignatius. I know you don't know. <laughs> but you guess. How long? Before Christ. <laughs> okay, good. How many years before Christ? Two. How many years? Anyone? About, about, about a thousand years before Christ. About a thousand years. Now, um, Elim, can you tell me, ten hours later, what will happen to your shoes, your t-shirt, your skirt? Probably not. Maybe mommy might throw it into the washing machine. Maybe you'll sleep in the cupboard. Maybe on the floor. Maybe under your bed. <laughs> Can you tell? You don't know, right? But Christ not only can, not only his death was prophesied to the point where what happens to his clothes? That kind of accuracy, 1,000 years ago. 1,000 years ago. Now, one more other is one, one more other book. Well, I'll give you some, some Psalms that you write down, and I hope you keep all this, alright? Then you go back and read. Psalm 40, alright? Psalm 40, verse 8. His obedience to the Father. Psalm 41, verse 9. Betrayed by a friend. Psalm 22, 16. Crucified. Psalm 22, 18. They divide his clothes. Shenrei, you mentioned no bones broken, right? Psalm 34, verse 20, 21. No bones will be broken, after we we'll see. No bones will be broken. Now, in actually, in Isaiah 53, verse 9, he will be buried in a rich man's tomb. That's what's going to happen also. Exactly. All this written a thousand years ago for Psalm. 700 years ago for Isaiah. Now, Elaine, uh, Elaine. What's the significance of all this? So I, now, John keep writing about the exact events. There's so many things to record, right? But John would record those that he knows that these are exactly fulfillment of prophecy. Why do you think 
John wants us to know? What do you think God wants us to know? And what do you learn from that? It proves that He was indeed the Son of God because the Bible says, the Son of God will come and suffer all these things. So this is the Son of God. Very good. Number one. What else? Um, Julia, what else do you think? Why would... Why is it so significant that things that are told 1,000 years ago, 700 years ago, 500 years ago, and they are going to hap- and they happen exactly and it all gets recorded for us? What, what does it do to your heart? That God is? Okay, God is very precise, very good also. I'm glad you're all thinking about the glory of God, right? God is precise. Um, Christ is indeed God. But what else? What else? On the, so all those are very good and important. But what does it do to your heart, Cornelius? What does it do to your heart? When you know as it's prophesied 1,000 years ago and all this suffering, all this mocking will happen exactly as... As, as prophesied. How does it hit your heart? That is all true and that he will die. Jesslyn, what does it do to your heart? Mm-hmm. Very good. It shows us that God has planned it from the beginning. From the beginning. And it shows how much He cares for us. Why do you say, why do you say that written a thousand years ago and Christ came and He fulfilled it to the dot? Why does it say, what does it, why does it make you feel that it shows how much He cares for you? Guy, divine power, but why does it make you feel that he cares for you? It was meant for us. We're learning. Not only was meant for us, he actually made sure he came and fulfilled it to the dot. This written thousand a thousand years ago, and he said, I will come and I will fulfill it to the dot. Now, um, Julia, if before you had Daniel delivered, what was in your heart? Apprehension, right? You just know it is going to be very painful. You just know it's going to be very, very painful. And then as the date comes closer, you say, yeah, I want the baby to come out. It's really so big, it's so heavy. But at the same time, it is still very, very scary, right? Very scary that you are going to push this little baby out. And the pain is going to, the contractions are going to be so terrible. Was it terrible? terrible. Very terrible. I remember at, I think, 2 o'clock in the morning, um, your husband was texting me. Julia said, don't know whether she can take the pain anymore. Because it's really inhuman, right? You cannot even think of, did you imagine it will be that painful? You just imagine it's very painful, but did you know that it will be this painful? If you knew it was going to be this painful, what would happen? Probably, maybe I don't have a baby. <laughs> it's like, wow, it's going to be so frightening. Which is still, we must have children when we get married. But 
you did not know it was so painful. Now, let me ask you, if God showed you it was so painful, and God told you exactly how painful and what you will go through, you would think very, very hard whether you want to go through it. Right? Now, when Christ said 1,000 years ago, this is what's going to happen, and I still come, every moment that he was growing up, he was knowing that that day, all this pain, blow by blow, will happen. Do you know contraction by contraction that will happen? You do not know. But he knew. So, Jesslyn, why do you say he cares for you? It's because he knew that was, he said that was what's going to happen. He knew that was going to happen, and he walked and made sure he fulfilled everything. Why? Because Jesslyn was on his heart, on his agenda. On his agenda. This prophecy is coming through. Very good. It proves that he is God. Absolutely. It proves that God is in absolute control and very accurate. Absolutely. And on the other side, we must also realize, it must move us to know that he knew all this and he went through it. Not for anyone, but for, for Veronica. Now, Veronica, I tell you, um, Veronica, you're going to go through this, alright? You're going to go out, then you're going to be very hungry, then you'll suffer, then you'll be very hot, you'll be very thirsty, and then the ants will crawl all over you and bite you, and then the bees will come and sting you. You do that all for me? Are you going to do it? No, maybe not. <laughs> then i even show you a photo of what you go through. <laughs> I think no, <laughs> alright? But the Lord Jesus went through all this suffering you described just now. For who? For Veronica. Do you love him? Anyone go through that for you? Did mommy and daddy suffer a lot for you? You don't know. You better ask them tonight. Of course they did. Just bringing you out into the world, mommy suffered a lot of pain like, like Auntie Julia. Right? But they did that all because they know Veronica must come out. <laughs> But they willingly go through it, right? So, but it's nothing compared to what Christ suffered for us. And Christ knew we would reject Him. He would even have to elect us in order that we may turn to Him. Work in our heart. Okay, so remember that. Now, you know, um, Jennifer, do you intend to... Well, one day you grow up and get married and have children. Oh, maybe Auntie Julia, alright? I think no one will know the love of Christ as much as parents to some extent. Huh? When, you're, when you suffer all this for your child, then both of you will know your child grow up and then your child gets naughty, disobedient. Why are you laughing? <laughs> naughty, disobedient. And then you think of all the time you suffer for them. But they don't remember and they don't care. How do you feel? Very painful, right? Very sad, very painful. But do you know that all of us are like that with God, with the Lord Jesus? Let me ask you every day, how are you spending your time? What are you doing? What are you pursuing? And the Lord said, I came to die for you. I came to save you, but you spend your time in sin. You hardly think about me. You hardly care about me. Hmm? Cornelius, do you care about Jesus? Caleb, do you love Jesus? Not sure yet. Because you do not know how much the Lord Jesus loves you. So you must listen. You must know what Jesus went through for you. 
and you ask Jesus to be your saviour. Alright? Okay, so now we move. So that is the meaning of all these prophecies. Right? That He is God and not only that, He must move us. Now, I say one last thing about this before we move. Ignatius, why are you coming to church? To learn more about God. So that during lessons and during BBK, when I ask you, you can answer and not be embarrassed. Maybe. <laughs> why do you learn more about God? Because you love Him and you want to follow Him. Um, Jesslyn, why do you come to church? Because, because of what um, Ignatius said and also to worship Him. Uh, Shunri, why are you going to FEBC to spend your holidays there? Because you want to prepare yourself to be truly able to follow the Lord when you enter university. Why do you want to do that? So that I don't fall away from Him. Why do you bother about falling away from Him? You don't want to, leave, you don't want to fall away from Him and live in sin. Elaine, why? Why do you serve God? Because He's loved us and sacrificed Himself for us. Mabel, why do you want to come back to Perth? Back there, your mom cooked for you, washed clothes for you, learned to iron clothes. For God. You forgot or for God? <laughs> For God. Okay, for God. In what sense? So they can grow and glorify Him. Why do you want to glorify Him? Because He saved you. Now, my point of asking you all this is this. Joash, why, why, why do you want... Why do you come to church? Why do you come for Friday fellowship? Why do you come? Because your parents say, if you don't come, you've got no dinner. Why? Why do you come? Why do you keep asking me, should I study this or not study that? Why? Because you want to know what is right? In what sense? What is right to please God? Okay? Now, why I ask you all this is this. Alright, Jennifer, Veronica. Now, why do you come to church? Caleb, Cornelius, why do you come to church? Now, sometimes, why do you, after coming to Perth, Ignatius, start to be so interested coming to church and all that, and then come to serve, help in children holiday program, a lot of you, why? Why? Now, the reason why I ask a lot of this in this chapter is this. You must do everything because you want to love God. You want to please Him. That must be what drives you. Now, explain why. Eh? If not, Ignatius, for example, it is very easy for us when we first come to know Christ, we find that it's a very good life, right? I have a meaning in life now. 
I go to church, I have friends in church. Instead of lazing around, I have um, an objective. Wow, I feel very good. I can come to church and I paint things. I can draw things. Hmm? I can help and after that I see my drawing up there. And I have friends on Sundays after worship come to church. So nice. I go to Old Folks Home together. Then after that we go out for dinner and we talk about things of God. So nice. Saturdays I'm with Christian friends. I have a very, very organized and meaningful life compared to my life in the past. And there seems to be like some social support group. It's great. This is a meaningful life. Many young people start like that. And then very soon they get drawn away because suddenly they have no constraining. There must be a constraining of Lord because you went through all this in the Bible for me. Although you knew 1000 or from the beginning of the time this was going to happen to you but you go through all this for me and now therefore I want to live for you. Understand that? Now, Jesslyn, why do you obey your daddy and mommy? You have to honor parents. That's, 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 that's a good reason. Um, now, if they are not around, they tell you, Jesslyn, do your homework. Jesslyn, study. Jesslyn, and, and, and go to church and all that, right? Now, imagine your parents go away for a long holiday, right? They're not telling you to do anything anymore. Why do you do it? Why, why is Shirley turning around and staring? <laughs> I'm very interested in that. <laughs> why? Because you love them. Because you want to obey them. When you call Jesslyn what you're doing, I'm doing what you told me to do. Right? Why would you not run crazy? Why not? Ah, they're away. I'm going to shave my head bald and then I'm going to, you know... Throw a major a drug party in the house. Why not? Disobey them is disobeying God. Good. They know what's best for you. And when they come back, they see your hair like that and the whole house in a mess, they'll be very, very pained in their heart, right? You do it because you know that this will hurt them. And therefore, I want to obey them. If I don't obey them, then I disobey God, then God is displeased. Then I also bring sadness to God's heart, right? So please remember, Ignatius and, uh, and everyone, you come because you want to study about God, you want to know Him because you want to know Him and then love Him. That, then you'll be interested. Are you interested to know me? Not much, right? Faster, right? But if you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend one day, are you interested to know this boyfriend and girlfriend compared to knowing what I do every day? No. What I like to eat every day? No. You won't be, but you'll be very interested in that person, right? So why do you study about God? Because I want to know what He went through for me. Because I want to know every single detail about Him. Because He matters and means a lot to me. Understand that? That's why you study. That's why you want to know him. That's why you want to come back to Perth. It's not because this is a good environment for Christian life. But first and foremost, it's because I want to know him, love him, serve him, obey him. Okay?
Alright? That's why if you read chapter 19, chapter 18, 19, 20, and there's no feeling, then you must wake up. It doesn't seem I'm very interested in what God planned and came and did for me to the exact um, to the dot to save me. I'm not very interested. Hmm? So that's my point in this chapter tonight. Please do not miss this point. All these details are given to us that we may know Him and love Him. Anything that is causing you not to give of your very best to love Him, to live for Him, these chapters must wake you up, must wake me up. Joash, understand? Why do you want to please God? Because you love Him. Why don't you study this, don't you study that, or do this or choose that? Because I want to increase in my love for Him. Okay? So it's always about that. This, all this record and the accuracy of the prophecy must stir our hearts towards that. Now then, so that's why I always tell Julia. From the beginning, I keep telling Julia and, and, and Kenny, video your child's growth. Video what they go through. Video their tantrums. Right? Do you video your birth? Don't have to show anyone. Everything. You video your birth? Huh? No. Yeah. Her pain. At least her face. <laughs> no. Record all this and one day explain to your child. They, they, they will, then when they know, then they say, Wow, mommy, daddy, that's what... Of course, you don't do that to, to blackmail them. <laughs> but at least they understand, they know. It's, you know, Christ, God's record all this that we may know. How much do you know your daddy and mommy? So do you know how much your daddy and mommy suffer for you? No, you said no. Tonight you ask them. Then you mommy, what do you go through from us? Then let them describe. Then what Christ did for you is million times, billions times more than that. Infinitely more than that. Then you love him even more. Okay? Now next, let's, do, let's move. That's question number four. Number five. Now what pressure did the Jews apply in verse, chapter 19 verse 12? Let's read together. And from thenceforth, Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, saying, If thou let this man go, thou art not Caesar's friend. Whosoever maketh himself a king speaketh against Caesar. So, what kind of pressure? Very clear, right? Justin, what kind of pressure now? Earlier on was religious pressure. We have a law. This man made himself God. He must die. Now is what kind of pressure? Political pressure. You see, they, they, you see, Pilate kept trying to release him, right? Tried to release him, tried to release him, tried to release him. I said this is a religious thing. Now, can you see... Um, hmm. Now, so he said, he, he's been trying to release him um, where is that? Ah, yes. Now, can you look at verse, verse, um, four, verse 4, 19 verse 4? Now, let's read together. Pilate, therefore, went forth again and saith unto them, Behold, I bring him forth to you, that ye may know that I find no fault in him. Then, the next he said, um, Now, he said, I bring him to you because I cannot find any fault. Now, verse 6. Verse 6, now look very carefully. What did, 
What did Pilate say? Pilate saith unto them, Take ye him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. Do you understand what Pilate is saying? I cannot find fault. Please, don't make me do this. You kill him yourself. This is a religious thing. You handle it yourself. Hmm? But now they're very smart. They know, look, the religious pressure is not working. And they want Jesus to die. So they now change to, if you don't kill Jesus, then verse 12 says what? You are not Caesar's friend. Shenrei, what does it mean? He's committing treason. Why is he committing treason? Yes, because the Jews say he, he, he made himself king, right? King of the Jewish people in the Roman Empire. So now they know, ah, let's take this, take this route now. If you don't kill Jesus, who have claimed to be king of the Jews, then you are committing treason. You, are, you should kill people who try to exalt themselves higher than the Roman emperor, right? So now you, you're not Caesar's friend already. Instead, you should kill him. Right? So it's a very wicked but very smart and evil tactic. Okay? Very tactic. Now look at verse, um, verse 13. Can we read together? When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus forth and sat down in the judgment seat. Okay. Now, uh, Elim, listen carefully. They say, oh, if you don't kill Jesus, because he says he's king, right? You still don't kill him, then you are not the Roman emperor's friend. Right? What did Pilate do when he heard that? Did you read verse 13? Yeah. Alright, so what did it mean? When Pilate heard, therefore heard, he sat up in judgment seat. Do you know what it means? Very tired, I'm going to sit down. <laughs> Straight away he panicked. Understand that? Say, wow, this is serious. If these people ever go and tell my boss in Rome, my boss, that I did not kill someone who he claims to be greater than him, who want to rule, who will cause problem. If these Jewish people go and tell my boss, then I'll be in trouble. He quickly go to the judgment hall. Means he said, okay, okay, I'll go, I will judge him. I will deal with him. I will, I will do something now. Understand? So now it worked, it worked, it worked. Now next, so that's your answer. Why did what, what polit, they use political? Now I ask you this: What was question number five? What was the key problem in Pilate's heart, Jennifer? What do you think it was? He said, "Oh, if you don't kill, Pilate, you don't kill um, Jesus, then you're you're the empress. You're not the empress friend." Then he quickly go to the judgment hall now. What was in Pilate's heart? Why do you think he, he did that? Fear of man, very good. What was the key problem in Pilate's heart? The fear of man. The fear of man. If people say, Chloe, if you believe in Jesus, then you're not our friend in school. And it's stupid to believe in Jesus. Have you seen Jesus before? Then why do you believe in Jesus? So you see, Elim, Chloe, we don't, do, we don't want you to be our friend. You're not our friend. From now on, you don't eat with us for lunch. You don't talk to us in school. You're not our friend. You're outside our circle now. How would you feel? 
said, but what did now? What did what did Pilate do? Pilate was afraid, and he said, "Okay, okay, okay, I'll do what you all say." Right, Chloe? Say, "Okay, now, now, okay, 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 I'll do what you all say." Does Chloe want to be like Pilate? No, right? Does Chloe want to be afraid of people when they say, "If you are you are Jesus' friend, then you're not our friend"? Or will you be afraid? You might be sad. But will you do what Pilate do? Say, okay, okay, then I just follow you all. No. Why? Why, Chloe? Why? So many friends, you know. Why? Why would you say, no, I will not be like Pilate? Why? Cannot hear. I want to go to heaven because I love Jesus. I want to obey God, right? right? That is more important to follow Jesus. Now, Chloe brought up a very important point. Because I asked the next question. Question number six. Before we come back, question number six. Jennifer, uh, Veronica, what did Pilate gain? Oh, sorry, some typo. What did Pilate gain? But lost. What did he gain? What did he gain? Understand the question? A bit difficult. Okay, Cornelius, what did Pilate gain? He gained his position. He still retained his position, right? They did not bring it up to. They won't bring it up to the Roman emperor, so he can get get to keep his position. All right, he get to keep his position. Number one. Number two. He also gained some peace, right? Not. They don't. They don't bug him anymore. They don't say you're not our friend anymore, right? He gained some, some, um, some freedom, some reprieve, right? Gained some peace. But Chloe, what did he lose? What did he lose? Pilate gained friends. Pilate gained to still remain as the ruler. But what did Pilate lose? Just now you say, where do you want to go? You say, no, I don't want to be like Pilate because I want to go to heaven, right? What did Pilate lose then? A chance to go to heaven. Pilate lost the chance to go to heaven. Now, did Pilate know the truth? Pilate in his heart. Well, the moment he heard that this is the Son of God. Now, you look at verse 7. Look at verse chapter 19, verse 7. When Jesus heard... When Jews answered him, We have a law, and by our law he ought to die, because he made himself the Son of God. Look at verse 8. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he was the more afraid. He was the more afraid, because Pilate knew the Son of God means this is God. This is what the Jews believe as God. Now he became very afraid. Now, in fact, in the other Gospels, Shandu, do you remember in the Gospels? Oh no, Elim, in the other Gospels, does Pilate have a wife? Don't know. So you don't know the story. Does Pilate have a wife? Yes, Pilate have a wife. What did the wife say to Pilate? Josh? Have nothing to do with this just man. I have suffered many things because of him. She, had, she was in turmoil, dreams and everything. God even gave Pilate that chance, you know by sending the wife to tell him, 
don't have anything to do with this man. He's a righteous man. This is supernatural. Maybe he's really God. I have so many dreams and nightmares because of this man. I suffered a lot of things because of this man. God, why? Do you think it happened by chance? God put her through all this so that she, even she, your own wife, warned you. The closest person warned you. But he wanted his position, he wanted his friendships, he wanted his peace, he wanted his popularity, and he gave away the chance. Instead, all he needed to do is ask Jesus to be his God and Savior. So what if you all say, say um, I'm not Caesar's friend? Chloe, Elim, is it more important to be the friend of the most important person in your school or the friend of Jesus? Friend of Jesus. Who's the most important person in your school that you want to be friend with? Is there such a person? Say again. <laughs> You're already friend with her. Then one day she say to you, what's her name? Huh? Izelka. Everyone knows her in school. She's the most popular girl in school. And she's your friend. Is she a Christian? Oh, you're in from a Christian school. <laughs> now imagine Izelka is not a Christian. Say, Ilim, if you want to continue to be friend with the person who everyone knows in school, you don't be a Christian because I don't like Christians. And Christians are stupid. Would you continue to choose her or Jesus? Jesus. Why? Because pastor says so, because mommy and daddy say so, because, the, because I must. Why? Why? Because I love him. Why do you love him? Because he died on the cross for you, not for himself. He suffered all these things we read just now. Bled the cross, beat, slapped, spit on him, his body was torn up. He suffered all for you. Anyone more important, more, more precious than Jesus as our friend? None. None. Alright? So I hope the young ones remember that. Cornelius, hey Caleb, you choose Jesus or choose friends? Jesus. Because he did all this for you. You love him. Alright? You love him. Now, one of the things that I really want to emphasize is please don't look at Christian walk. Now, it's important to obey God to want to learn about God and all that, but always remember the key underlying reason. I must increase in my love for Him. Otherwise, it's just a nice, organized life. Understand that? My life is very organized. I have church, I'm serving, I'm doing some good works in old folks' home, all these things. When the persecution comes, you will give up. When the temptation comes, you will fall, you will give in to temptation. When the trial, when the time comes to choose, you will choose something else because it is not based on your desire to increase in your love for Him. Understand that? It must be that. It must not be, I love fellowship. Wow, so nice. Got fellowship. After that, we go McDonald's. Then we chicha at the soul late, eat $2 burger. You know, we can disturb Vincent all the time. Yeah? We should, should, should stop doing. You know why you do that? Now, all these kind of things. Say, wow, this life quite good. Then holidays, I can come to church, got things to do in church. All those things is just, you say, well, this is a life I like. It's only a moral life. Just a moral life. You will give up one day. It must be, I want to love you more and more, Lord. When you read the Bible, Lord, I want to read every detail about your life. 
I want to know every detail about you. In BBK, the moment they talk about you, I'm so interested and I never get sick of hearing about you. It's very sad when one day you get sick of hearing about your, about someone. I'm sick and tired about hearing about my wife. Sick and tired of hearing about my mommy and daddy. You'll be very sad. Never sick and tired. You know the song? Tell me the old, old story. Hmm? And he say, keep repeating it to me. Keep repeating it to me. Why? Because I am that sinner in that story, that sinner who Jesus came to save. Just keep telling me, I am the sinner who Jesus came to save. Can you find the hymn that sing it afterwards? Alright? Okay, so never get tired of this anything about Christ and God. Now, let's move. Um, okay, question 5, you answered already just now, also the second part. Never be pressurized into denying Christ. Never be pressurized into denying Christ. Now, next. Question number seven. Oh, okay. So, we are going to read a bit more and then we try and finish in about 10-15 minutes. Now, let's read verse 17. Let me see here. Eh? Let's read a bit more. Let's read from... Actually, I want to leave it here. Do you, um, do you have birthday tonight? No. Okay. Alright, then, then we'll... Say again. Oh, 9.30, you're going down to fold the things. Because... Um, okay, let's read. Now, verse 17, all the way to verse... Twenty-four, seventeen to twenty-four. Let's read together. Seventeen to twenty-four. And he, bearing his cross, went forth into a place called Ephesus, which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha, where they crucified him and two other with him, one on either side, and Jesus in the midst. And Pilate wrote the title and put it on the cross. And the writing was, "Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews." This title then met many of the Jews, for the place where Jesus was crucified was nigh to the city, and was written in Hebrew and Greek and Latin. Then said the chief priests of the Jews to Pilate, Write not the king of the Jews, but that he said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. Verse 23, Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts to every soldier apart and also his coat now the coat was without seam woven from the top throughout they said therefore among themselves let us not rend it but cast lots for it whose shall we be that the scripture might be fulfilled which saith they parted my raiment among them and for my vesture they did cast lots these things therefore the soldiers did Right now, now it moves. Now the scene moves from Christ going through the trial, and now delivered for crucifixion. Del delivered for crucifixion. Now this would be about six a.m. Okay, so if you wonder, 
What time did the trial start? Elim? 12 o'clock, about midnight. Peter denied the Lord Jesus three times. From what time to what time, Elim? 12 a.m. to 3 a.m. Right? Then after that, all this happened now. about It was the sixth hour and they led him to the cross. So it's about early morning. What are you doing at 6 a.m., Milim? Uh, Chloe? Sleeping? Many of us, wow, very nice and cozy sleeping. You know, when they wake up, do one. What was the Lord Jesus going through at this time? After all the beating, bleeding, pain, mocking, with the with saliva on his face, and what was he going through now? They are going to take him to crucify him at 6 o'clock in the morning. All of us are sleeping. The Lord Jesus is suffering. Alright, so remember what he went through for who? For you. There's one more thing I want to say. The Lord planned something from the beginning of the world, right? 1,000 years and then he came and he, and he went through it and he did it and he suffered to the dot for you, correct? Yeah. I'll ask you one thing. Have you planned anything, planned to do anything for the Lord Jesus? Have you? No. Right? The Lord planned many things to do for us, to die for us. But we live aimlessly. Let me see my plan today. I'm going to Big Park to eat duck. Now after that, I am going to go out with my friends to play badminton. Now after that, I am going to take a nap in the afternoon. Then in the evening, I'm going for a jog. What do you do in the evening? Now after that, I'm going to sit down and eat popcorns and watch a movie. We plan a lot of things, right? For our holidays, we plan all that. The Lord planned before the foundation of the world, prophesied 1,000 years ago, and when He came, He was not going come, coming here to eat popcorns and relax, you know. He was to suffer all these things to the dot. For who? For you, right? Do you plan to do anything for the Lord? If you say, I want to love the Lord, why do you? I want to love the Lord. I want to love the Lord. Then we plan to serve Him. You plan on Sunday. What am I going to do on Sunday? What are you going to do on Sunday? Last time I watched this cartoon. Don't watch cartoon, right? I'm saying before I was saved, when I was young. This cartoon, there's always, it's called, I think, Pinky and the Brain. Pinky and the Brain. Alright? That's a stupid cartoon. Right? Pinky and the Brain. Then it always like that. What are we going to do this week? We are going to take over the world. Right? <laughs> It's always the same thing. We're going to take over the world. Yeah? It's a cartoon. But we ask us, what are you going to do this weekend? Going to conquer the world. Yeah? Going to play. Is that what young people say? Conquer the world. Going to play as much as possible. No, we plan to use our time for the Lord. You know our church calendar? Now is December. We are planning our church calendar, right? We have to plan every weekday, every weekend, all the things we're going to do. And we plan all these things for who? For you all. To come and study about God and to serve God, right? So the calendar is going to be given to you, God willing, um, at least the 1st of January. <coughs> you have the calendar. These are our prophecy, <laughs> to some extent. Whether it happens or not, won't be as accurate as God. Things can change. But we say, this is what we pen down for God. 
come. Is it so difficult? <coughs> I didn't write there. April the 4th. Jesseline come and carry the cross on her back up Mount Heathcote. January the 3rd, Ignatius come <coughs> and stand and let everyone spit on his face. Hmm? Then, and so on. We don't plan those things. It's not even asking you to suffer. It's come and study, know him, love him, serve him. It's those things. But we don't even do it. Do you get my point? Christ planned, Christ came, and he suffered. The things that we plan is for your spiritual growth. Is it so painful to come? To busy be? Hmm? Come and clean God's house. But no, busy be, I'm too busy because I'm busy being somewhere else. <laughs> hmm? There's honey somewhere else. Church has no honey. Hmm? Something else is sweeter. Or whatever. Um, church camp. All these things. Right, so, Jennifer, are you going to plan to do something for the Lord Jesus this week? Why don't you do this from now on? Every week, you write in your diary or your handphone. I will do at least something each day for the Lord. And no matter how painful and how I will suffer as a result of doing it, I will do it because the Lord did all this for me in John chapter what? Ilim, John chapter what? 19. I will plan every day to do something for him, no matter how much it will cost me and pain me, but I do it because he did all things for me. Would you do that? At this one. Alright, today I will do this for the Lord. It's not today I will play badminton for the Lord. Huh? Today I will eat chicken rice for the Lord. Right? Today, I will give a track to my friend. Tuesday, I will come to church to pray for someone. Pray for the church, pray for someone. Wednesday, I will, whatever. You know, think of, I will call someone and talk to a sister, a brother, to encourage him. There's something on Friday tonight, I will stay back and help in the CHBP. I'm always reading the church calendar, all the prophecies, I will come because Christ came to do everything for me. I come and do it for him. All right? Okay? Now, I just want to end here because I want this to be in your heart and your mind. Let us pray.